재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 This week we're going to get to know two entrepreneurs, but we're also going to get to know how Koreans are approaching new technology, new trends, and new tastes. and uh, their curiosity for international foods in creative ways. We're talking to Todd Sample and Eunsun Park. They're the co-founders of a startup company called Eat Authentic. They introduce authentic international cuisines in Korea using a captive market, really, of social media participants. Todd is an expat who's been here in Korea for more than two decades. He's got a very colorful CV, A lot of people will know him as the bespoke suit guru of Korea, and uh, he has taught English and done all kinds of different things here in the country. And Sung Park has worked at some of Korea's largest companies. She's been in the international service industry, and she has worked on one of the major airlines as well. So they both come to the table with a lot of experience. And they are delving into Korea's hunger for authentic cuisines. Welcome to you both. Good morning. Good morning. All right, let's do a quick little commercial for Eat Authentic. Tell me about the company real quickly. What's the basic idea? Okay, well, Eat Authentic started off uh, as a personal Twitter account introducing restaurants that I enjoyed going to. Uh, when I posted pictures of the food that I ate there, the response was amazing, like several thousand retweets. And after doing that one or two times, I realized, wow, there must be something here. So on that day, we, we started uh, this Twitter account do- devoted entirely to introducing authentic foreign restaurants here in Korea. And that was about two years ago. We've since grown to over 130,000 followers. <laughs> and That's a, a good <clears throat> Twitter account. It's a good Twitter account, yeah. And Instagram as well. So, uh-huh. now so we this are. is all social media. The acorn of this is social media. It's, and you're feeding into this untapped... curiosity, hunger. It's a literal hunger and it's also a, a hunger of the imagination. That's right. That's right. Yeah. In, in Korea, people tend to focus on matjip, mm-hmm. right? So matjip is, of course, delicious restaurant. But Kurt, if I ask you what's delicious and if I ask Eunsun what's delicious, everyone's answers will be different. So the concept of matjip in Korea has lost a little bit of its meaning. Yeah. And so we've decided to focus more on authentic, authentic, authentic international food. international food and you've seen this in various ways over the last few years you know craft beer places have been like mushrooms popping up pizza craft beer all kinds of international stuff and it's not just sort of the knockoff stuff like it might have been 10 or 12 years ago mm-hmm. there's a demand a native demand for authenticity how did you get involved in all of this in z a n Uh, from my background and my, you know, my previous experience in my job. So I was interested in the very international Korea and the many cultures going on in Korea. So mm-hmm. it really should be mixed and mixed well. So I want to tell those kind of stories through the food. So I mean, you've got a formal background in food science, right? Mm-hmm. You studied that as a discipline. But did you, as sort of a Korean and a Korean consumer, kind of perceive a, a, a lack of an informational space where you could discover international food in a credible way? Yes, of course. Because, uh, you know, when I flew as a flight attendant, you know, I met so many international people in flight and outside of Korea. So, you know, but there are a huge gap in there. So, but even though the lots of uh, food comes in from outside to Korea, you know, people don't know how to enjoy it. So I thought it's a really good chance to tell, you know, to Korean. 
Were you a foodie when you were a flight attendant? No, not foodie. But, <laughs> Most you know, of them are like, head for the hotel, go to sleep, and then get back on the plane, right? No, actually, you, we had a kind of two or three days to stay in okay. abroad. So we had a chance to experience, the, you know, go sightseeing or enjoy many food there. So Yeah, yeah. So really you, you did have a chance to explore around. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. Uh, what has changed in like the last 10 or so years? Is this a sudden, did Koreans just wake up and suddenly crave international food? Or why is, has the market moved into this kind of disposition? Well, I, I think as, you, as we've seen the, the population of Korea diversify. When I arrived here in 1995, there were 400,000 foreigners. Now there are over 2, two million. Uh, the number of Koreans traveling every year is growing a lot. I think last year it was 27 million people out of 50 million travel yeah. to overseas at least once. So th- they go overseas, they try the foods there, uh, they come back here and realize that a lot of the so quote-unquote international food that they're eating here is not it's more of an interpretation rather than... A squirt bottles. Yes. <laughs> Here's so, the sauce, it's international. Poof. Yeah, right, right, right. So But on the other hand, there are people who are coming here into Korea, not just in the typical jobs that they came um, came to do several years ago. Now they're they're coming here to start small businesses, many of which are in the food and beverage industry. Because one of the interesting things about Korea is that uh, in the population of the United States, it's 330 million, and there are 1.2 million restaurants in the U.S. In Korea, it's 50 million people and 650,000 restaurants. So half the number of restaurants that the United States has in total are here in Korea. So Koreans like to eat out. They like to drink out. Yeah. So as they travel... As they come back, as they want to have those tastes and flavors, um, they want to have that culture as well. Because when you go to an authentic foreign restaurant, it's different. The feeling is different. The music is different. Uh, the people working there are different. And so they can kind of feel as if they are uh, international while at the same time not having to pay for the plane ticket to go overseas. The restaurant culture, it's interestingly different in, say, Korea and so many other countries, uh, particularly in the West. What I, I noticed a long time ago was that uh, Korean restaurants tend to be like called kimchi jjigae or something like that, mm-hmm. uh, or they tend to be based around menu items. There tends to be a lot of, at least in the outside, outward presentation, a lot of uh, similarness. And then, of course, the quality of the food will vary. Western restaurants, they tend to try to cultivate... more of an outward presentation of personality, uh, almost link it to sort of a human personality like the chef or right. uh, just kind of draw you in as an individual restaurant rather than as a food item. Right. Exactly. Yeah, 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 we feel the same way. Yeah. We, we think that it is uh, a window into the culture here, mm-hmm. right? So you're not just coming in for, you know, food to, for, for nutrients. You're, you're coming in here for an actual experience, which... Uh, many of the restaurant owners that we meet uh, understand that and try to do a good job yeah. uh, of presenting not just the food or the culture in a certain way, but you know, as Insan mentioned before, uh, the way to eat it. Right, because there are certain ways to eat it, and we have one restaurant in our in our system that uh, it's a Jordanian restaurant actually, and the owner. Uh, when you order, look at the menu and you order the food, he'll come to, to your table and take the order and he'll say, um, if you really want to eat that, that's okay. But in Jordan, we don't eat it like this. So <laughs> I would recommend that you try this with this together because that's the way we eat it. And so from our perspective, that's a great thing for him to do because he's really trying to show that this is the way it's done 
outside of Korea and in the country where the food is initially from. Mm. And then when the food comes out, he'll explain, okay, when we eat it, this is how we eat it. We put this on first, we put that on second, we put this on third. We don't put this on first and that on fourth. We, there's a certain order. And so he actually sits there next yeah. to your table and, and teaches you how to eat the food properly. And so we love people like there's that. A whole, yeah, of course you would. I mean, there's a whole software that goes along with it. The food being, I guess, the hardware or whatever. Uh, and there's layers of knowledge that you need. Uh, it would be the same for somebody who's never been to an Asian restaurant to be mm-hmm. dropped smack in the middle mm-hmm. of a, a Chinese restaurant or a Korean restaurant. Korean food for the newcomer mm-hmm. is quite intimidating. You know? Yes, it is. There's sure. a lot of exotic stuff going on mm-hmm. and you need a bit of handholding. That's kind of there nowadays. But Koreans, when they go into typical Western restaurants, it can be almost a deal breaker. They can be mm-hmm. a little bit intimidated. They mm-hmm. might just Mm, turn away and stay in their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. So when you're pulling stuff together, I mean, wh- where's the missing ingredient here um, in terms of is it creating sort of texts, social media texts about food and international stuff? Is it creating content? What is your world like in terms of what you do? Uh, actually, you know, as you said, we focus on their background story, like a chef's story and the, the how to eat and uh, how they come to Korea like that. You know, we just uh, intri- not only just, you know, trapped in the matip, just we mm. tried to, to showing the more deep insight of that restaurant and food and culture. Mm. Yeah. So it's more of the backstory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and some of these people have a really interesting backstory. Uh, and we feel that this, uh, for, for several reasons, um, a lot of these restaurants are very small. They don't have marketing people. They don't have PR people. Many of them don't even recognize their own story. Yeah. So we, we found a, uh, in, in Ichondong, where there are many uh, Japanese residents mm-hmm. living there, there's a, a ramen place, an authentic ramen place, which is operated by a Japanese individual. And it's in the basement of an old building. And if you went there, you'd be like, is this it? Yeah. Uh, and then you go inside. And, and so we were talking with him, and, and he doesn't speak Korean. Uh, so... I said, well, what about English? He said, no English, but he says, parlez-vous français? And I said, parlez-vous français? And yes, he says, well, yeah, I, I graduated from Tokyo University, and I also graduated from the Sorbonne. I lived in Paris for 35 years, and now I'm in Korea making ramen. So there are people like that. There are people like yeah. that. And so when you're talking about ramen, as, as you mentioned before, where restaurants are kind of identified by the food they serve, Oh, here's a ramen restaurant. Here's a Japanese ramen restaurant. So people go there. Oh, it kind of tastes like other ramen restaurants that I've had. Oh, there's one more piece of meat in this one. So oh, I like this one better. Or, this one's closer to my house. I like this better. Or this one's a little bit cheaper than yeah. the other. I like this better. But when you realize that the backstory is there and that these people are like amazing individuals and have accomplished great things on an international level, then it really makes, it really draws you in there. So we want to introduce people to restaurants so that they go once and twice and three times and become a regular there because that's how you sustain a business. Yeah, there are le- repeat business is so crucial. This is the mean, most important part. Just go and discover that one sort of one-trick pony item that they have will get you through a year or two. But that's right. That's unless right. there's that story, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you remind me of that documentary um, – I think it's called Junichiro Dreams of Sushi. Yes, right. Do you know that one? Yes. yes, I mean, it's this guy. He's 80 years old or so, expert, Mm -hmm. absolute, one of the world's greats in preparing sushi. And he only lets eight or so people into his restaurant every day. He could expand and make an empire. Sure. He has this little joint because that's all he loves is to personally Mm -hmm. prepare the sushi. If you know that about him, that's no longer some, you know, 
hole in the back of an alley in Tokyo somewhere, you know, it's a destination. That's right. That's right. And, and that's kind of getting disaggregated, isn't it? I mean, five or so years ago, it used to be sort of that back street in Itaewon used to be the food alley. That's where mm-hmm. all the international food is. And now thanks to social media, it's becoming, you know, anywhere that you can find it connected by uh, these communities. That's right. It's if you if you build it, they will come. And so now... Uh, we 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 explore these back alleys and find these gems of places. And I think one of the interesting ones was uh, in in Bucha. We travel all over the country looking for authentic restaurants, not just in Seoul, not just oh, really? in, in Yongsangu. That sounds like tough work. It's pretty tough, yeah. But we eat we eat well, so it's good. We really enjoy it. <laughs> but we we found this uh, Vietnamese restaurant. Uh, it was bare, uh, but there were five Vietnamese women working in the restaurant. We walked in, and the menu on the wall is all in Vietnamese, and okay, there are no customers here and five women working here. Uh-huh. They look busy. But the, the, the owner of the shop, she was sitting on the, and at a table and on the table was a stack about um, 20 centimeters high of uh, Tecbei receipts. So okay. Tecbei is the delivery system here in Korea. Sure. So she's got a pile of receipts on her, on her table. And I said, you know, Sanjanin, what, what are these? Oh, these are, t- these are Tecbei receipts. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, why do you have so many? She said, we don't need customers here. We, we serve, I'm from Ho Chi Minh. We serve the Ho Chi Minh community here, mm-hmm. not the Hanoi community. Mm-hmm. We serve the Ho Chi Minh community and we <laughs> ship, we get 50 to 100 orders every day. Send every out those scooters. Day. And so of the five women working there, two of them are cooks. One of them is Sa Jang Nim and two of them are just putting Packing. Vietnamese food into boxes and sending it out in the mail. 50 to 100 orders per day. Amazing. Amazing. And it's in a back alley that you never know it was there. So, Nzan, you've had uh, kind of, this is a, a second career or possibly even a third one. You've, uh, I think a lot of women out there that might be listening would be inspired to hear that, you know, you, uh, you studied, then you uh, worked as a flight attendant, mm-hmm. you had uh, sort of an initial career, you had a family, mm-hmm. and that separated you for a moment from the career world. Yes. And now you're back in a startup environment, which mm-hmm. is a little bit unusual, right? I know, yeah. So, you know, during their break because of a maternity and mm-hmm. they take care of my family and my son. But, you know, I always have a, some kind of, a, you know, some dream inside still. So I want to I w- always keep saying I want to work someday when I want to work someday. But uh, so I try to back to the society, but, you know, it's not easy for me. So I started, you know, learning English first and the kind of academy or something. So it's a first step to go out of the, sure. you know, society. And then fortunately, we were friends back then. So we talked a lot of, uh, <clears throat> you know, building, a, making a company or the entrepreneurships or some chances, opportunities in Korea. So back then, oh, I thought, oh, I need to start work by myself or something. But thank God, I thought it was nearby me. So we talked a lot and we decided to make a, one company together. Mm-hmm. You know, first company is a Consulting, consulting company. Yeah. So we decided to make a consulting company. Then I, at the same time, I saw some potential in his hobby. So, oh, let's make it grow. <laughs> still yeah. kind of a consulting company. Way, <laughs> yes, we it? do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's still becoming more of a consulting firm. But uh, yeah, no, I, I think it's, it's, a really good, it's a really good part of our business. And it does show young women and, and women who have started a family that, you know, in an, in an ageist society like Korea, where it is difficult, even, even 35 sometimes is considered old. Sure. When you're beyond that, uh, 
there are not many chances to work in companies here, yeah. right? And then the entrepreneurial mindset is like, well, I might start a shop or I might get a franchise, but actually going out and starting from scratch and, and creating mm -hmm. companies and finding opportunities to make value and then bringing people in, that's tough. So I always give a lot of credit to Unsan. Yeah, Unsan, you must, I mean, I guess you've got a certain niche of security within your family and so forth, but it must have been a little scary saying, you know, I'm yes. going to go into startup sure, and, and live that startup life. Because, mm -hmm. you know, I felt myself really behind of the, this trend, you know, because when I was went to when I worked as a flight attendant, I didn't know the startup, the word, even the word. So you know, what is a startup? What is a startup? Just we said it's a tangle or something. But you know, the you know time changed a lot, and lots of IT or lots of technology came in. So. The, but I try to accept that. I try to acknowledge about the, the changes here. So, yeah. and then we talk, you know, I actually I studied by the YouTube a lot. You know, I try to listen to lots of lectures and lots of, uh, you know, entrepreneurship lecture or mm. speeches. And it's I, almost a university now, mm -hmm. isn't it? Right, I mean, right. right. I know. There's so, there's, you know, the cat playing the piano videos, but there's also so much good content. You mm -hmm. can almost just lock yourself in an apartment and get the equivalent of a university degree just by mm -hmm. selecting the right kind of course right. material. That's right. So when I have a, when I find something very interested, so I just, you know, try to find the same series of, uh, you know, whole lectures and I try to keep listening to those lectures and then, you know, get to know about the outside world. Then I, okay, I, it's time to go out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If we were going to try to put, uh, get a snapshot of the Korean food sentiment as of this moment, what would we be saying and what sort of trends are emerging? Is there a particular region of the world that they're interested in or... Uh, I think recently we've seen a lot of uh, Vietnamese restaurants pop up. Okay. Uh, back in the day, it was, you know, kind of fall, but not really fall uh, restaurants that, that were popular at first. But now we have young Vietnamese people coming to Korea, mm -hmm. starting off as students and then saying, well... Vietnamese sandwiches are huge. Too. Vietnamese yes. sandwiches are here. And, and one of the reasons why Vietnamese sandwiches are here, or are popular here, is that there are... Tons of Vietnamese living here. Just and after Chinese, I think Vietnamese is the largest group. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. And so when you have hungry people from your country that don't want to eat an interpretation of your, you know, your chip bop, yeah, <laughs> uh, people recognize that there's a market there. And we, we, see, we see great stories. We see great stories of starting off very small back alley and then growing and growing and opening up on a main street. Mm -hmm. um, And and for us, those are the those are the stories that we want to find and then tell other people about, uh, and then eventually, who knows, maybe become one of those stories ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I think we'll have to do like a part two on that someday. But so for now, basically, it's about importing the world and telling the world's story to a domestic uh, Korean market that's very hungry for these kind of things. Because mm -hmm. I often think Korea's. Food story and food as experience story needs to be better told to the world as well. There are some great stories here. Uh, you know, Korean food is delicious. I I want to get that out there. You know, people think, well, you you only introduce international food. Why not focus on Korean food? Uh, I'm not an I'm not an expert on food. I'm definitely not an expert on Korean food. Mm. And so I think for us to be telling that story at this point right now, okay. uh, looking down the road to where we are able to scale a little bit. Yeah, there, there is definitely a market for more information and a better, to a better told story, more effectively told story on Korean food outside of Korea. And who knows? We could be a part of that. I'll give you one sure. more pinch of promotion. Tell me your Twitter hashtag. Uh, our Twitter hashtag and Instagram as well is at, uh, 
at Todd Sample Eats, right? So Todd Sample Underbar Eats. Okay, so it's not authentic. No, it's not authentic. We've uh, the brand started off as Todd Sample, and people now refer to it as Todd Sample Eats. Um, so. The social media is that, but the company is more of an umbrella and focused on many different things, offline events, as Sarah mentioned, and we're growing a lot. So I think the social media will stay as Todd Sample Eats, but everything else will be under the authentic umbrella. How convenient to be named Sample. (laughs) Todd Sample and Eunsun Park, the co-founders of Eat Authentic. Thanks, guys, for coming in. Thank Thank you you very very much. much.